Hey everybody, welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David, as always. Great show this week. We have Barry of GreenBits, uh, which is the POS compliance software for dispensaries, one of the biggest ones. Uh, you may remember that we had Ben, the founder of GreenBits, on the show way back in 2015, if you want to check that out. Uh, great episode with Barry this week, though. We talk about scaling everything up. Really interesting case study of how to transition from the founder to a new CEO and why that happens, when that's happening, uh, and his job now, how he takes the vision from Ben and sort of brings it into the future and scales everything from products, supports, sales, of course, remote, remote culture during quarantine. Really great episode, guys. I think you're going to like it. I learned a ton. You're going to learn a ton. Tune in, listen up, get acquainted. Barry, so nice to meet you, man. Thank you for joining us remotely. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we had the former CEO, Ben, on, this is some time ago, maybe like 2015. I think he was in the first 10 episodes or so. Um, but there's been a little transition over at GreenBits, and, and you've taken over. But let's start over just from the beginning. Uh, what is GreenBits? So GreenBits is a uh, SaaS-based service that does point of sale, inventory, tracking and traceability and compliance filing for cannabis dispensaries. Got it. And you originally started in the POS space. That was really the first angle for GreenBits in. Um, kind of why the expansion there? It seems like a lot of the softwares are kind of becoming more general rather than more niche as, as we progress. Yeah, and you know Ben, the the founder and CEO. I mean, his vision was always to solve around inventory and compliance tracking, actually, because that that is a core problem if you're running a dispensary, uh, you know, a legal dispensary, it's a licensed dispensary. That's a fundamental problem that these small business owners have is tracking product and filing and not having that take over all of their time, you know, because they want to actually run the store, right? And, and, yep. You know, handle customers. But you know, staying in compliance and filing with the government uh, is a big deal. And so, from the outset, Ben had the vision of solving that problem. And the way to do that is to be running the whole point of sale and inventory system together for a for a company because they're so intertwined. And it's been very successful. I saw you're in 1,200 dispensaries today. You're one of a couple names that a lot of people know in the POS space. We won't talk about the other ones uh, for now. I think it's a really interesting sort of example or case study for people that are or have their own startup is like, when is it time to bring in a new CEO, right? Like Ben had this vision, he grew it a lot. I guess the question, I know you started back in December. How did that decision get made and, and you know, why now, I suppose? Yeah. So I, you know, I wasn't here for the decision because I'm the sort of at the, at the end part of that. Um, but I've talked to Ben quite a bit about it. And you know, you know, Ben started a company uh, before called Outright, actually, that was in the um, in the accounting, small business accounting space. And he had done a similar transition where he brought in a, a, another CEO, and then that business was eventually purchased by GoDaddy. And so this is, a, I think, a journey that Ben has been through before and had some familiarity with. And you know, that when when there's the right time it's always something you sort of have to fill out. But I think I got a sense that, you know, Ben's Ben loves the early problem solving and the building things fast and solving, solving problems for customers fast. And 
and sort of chasing the next customer because it helps you understand what to go build to make more customers happy. And he's really good and brilliant at it. Um, what, you know, the company started to grow in scale and size where you need to have a more focus on managing teams and setting goals and making sure everyone knows what they're working on so that you're coordinating work across a larger team of people. And I think, frankly, that's a little less exciting for Ben. He wants to still be, you know, doing the new problems and building code and writing stuff. So when you sort of feel like the job starts to get too much of that, I think was sort of an indication of, okay, it's time to maybe think about the transition. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're different skill sets in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important. We don't have that many mature businesses in cannabis industry yet, right? This is very common. Mm -hmm. This happens over and over again. And uh, yeah, you have a rich technology background. I'm sure you've seen this time and time again, as people are just good at different parts of it. Um, but it does require sort of a little bit of an ego check, right? I mean, I think one of the most famous is Travis Kalanick. He didn't really want to step away from Uber or whatever. I mean, that really speaks to who Ben is, right? Yeah, for sure. It's, um, and it is, it is, is super common in especially Silicon Valley uh, and VC funded startups. Um, this happens quite a bit and it's a pretty natural thing. Um, and to Ben's credit, you know, he was, he was so gracious through all this. It's, he's still involved in the company. He's the chairman of the board. I still consult with him regularly. So he's still helping the company be successful and he, you know, led this whole transition and made it happen. So, um, you know, I give him a ton of credit for, for how he approached this and having, having the presence and the self-confidence to know when, when it's time to start making a transition like, like this. Got it. So I think he's officially the chairman today, correct? That's his mm -hmm. title. What does that yep. mean? Gorda, how have you guys divvied up uh, roles here? Yeah, so he does the traditional chairman of the board type stuff. Um, and then we have an ability, he's actually still an employee of the company. And so we use him for consulting and projects right now. And he's got a ton of knowledge about the industry, how all of the compliance filings work. He's got a lot of state by state knowledge. He knows all of our early customers and all of our big customers. So it's really helpful to be able to tap into him to say, you know, hey, I'm trying to solve this problem or the engineers are trying to figure something out. And he usually knows or has background on on the answer that's helpful. So we use him for a lot of consulting right now. You talked about his original vision, um, which in good part has been fulfilled. I mean, he's, he's done a lot of his role. There's been a lot of growth. Uh, I know you just raised another big chunk of money a couple months ago. How do you kind of evolve that vision? Uh, how do, where does his vision sort of stop and yours begin? You know what I mean? What, what's the mm -hmm. next step as you see it? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think, I don't, it, well, I, I think it's played out that I think I'm taking, I, I think we have mostly the same vision. I'm really taking his vision, reshaping it a bit in my language and how I like to talk about it. But it really is, if you look at what my vision for where the company's headed, it's very much exactly the same as what Ben had thought about mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning. So um, I think that's actually good because it doesn't mean we're making some abrupt, you know, abrupt change or anything. It's more working the vision into language that I can use as I go engage with all the employees and get them all aligned and rally around the work we're doing. There's just, you know, framing and, and words that work for me and, and how to articulate that vision um, mm -hmm. that are slightly, slightly different, but it really is the same, the same vision. Um, 
which I'll share with that what it is, by the yeah. way, yeah, <laughs> sure. talking about it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and our vision really is to help uh, dispensaries keep solving more and more problems that they face when they're trying to run their business. We want our dispensary customers to thrive and grow and be able to grow their business. Um, most of our dispensaries are looking for, um, you know, doing more sales, handling more customers. They don't want to be spending time on compliance and day-to-day tasks. They want to be running their store and helping it grow and thrive and meeting the needs of their customers. And that's what we're focused on with Greenbits. Our our vision is to keep doing our core, our, our, solving our core jobs for our customers really, really well around compliance um, and around running the point of sale system. But point of sale is so ingrained in so many inner workings of a dispensary, we're gonna start doing more and more around the point of sale system to help our customers even do more more as they uh, as they need to run their business. And is that in terms of more integrations or feature set or what, what does that look like for the customer? Uh, I think it's yes to both. So it's certainly integrations with partners um, that are a key part of the overall cannabis ecosystem. Um, you know, you need to be working with others to help facilitate a great customer experience. And you see examples of that in other industries like the restaurant industry, um, by the way. And so that's part of it. But then uh, we also know from our customers, they they don't like being an IT person and having to cobble together a bunch of solutions and make them all work together and then be trying to, you know, figure out problems that come when you're trying to integrate disparate um, systems and services together. And so where they can have one vendor that's really built a great solution that solves their needs, that's that's preferable. And so we think there's a lot of opportunities for us to continue to have our software keep doing a little bit more and more as we uh, build out more features. Now, that being said, right now, we know we have a lot of features that are all around our core experience that we're still really focused on. So that's really our primary focus right now is really uh, building out that core experience and making it really, really great. Um, yeah, I think there's different schools of thought about what the most important thing is in a software startup, right? Some people will say it's product, product, product that sells everything. I think there's other companies that are really heavily on sort of the B2B sales team. There's some that have a very detailed marketing strategy. As you came into this opportunity, like what are the strengths in this businesses and what are the things that you sort of wanted to work on? You thought, well, this could be a lot better in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of great stuff to build on. That's why I joined the company. Greenbits is in a great position, a strong leadership position. You mentioned the 12,000 dispensaries that we're, uh, we're working with, um, so that, or 1200, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> that'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, that'd be amazing. That'd be more than there are. Uh, we have about a, about a third of them. Um, and yeah, so we're, so it's a really great place to start with a company that's doing great. I think Broadly, our opportunities, this is reflective of the transition of CEOs, that our, our opportunities are really to start operationalizing things so that we can better serve our customers and free people up to do more. So there, there were a lot of manual processes in the company um, around uh, you know, how we create software, how we service customers, how we do sales, I mean, really across the board. And so we're looking at how do we start using more and more modern tools and build more features into our products that help us service customers better and make sure the software is working really well for our customers, but not requiring a lot of hands-on touch because you frankly can't scale. You'll reach a, a point where that just doesn't work anymore and you need to build, build software that really is scalable. If you look at, look at other examples, like look at a Square or look at you know, Salesforce or you know, some of those other software companies are doing so well, and that's exactly what they've done is they've, they've 
built in a, a lot of capability into their system so that they can handle customers' needs without a lot of a lot of people interaction because it just gets in the way of, of scaling and doing and, what you want to do. And labor is expensive, especially especially in California. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, any other sort of traction like KPIs, the twelve hundred dispensaries? But when you wake up in the morning, like what's the thing or the couple things that you look to? Is there sort of like a uh, a leading indicator uh, that that you that you pay attention to. Sure, uh, there's a there's a bunch. There's there's a few that are most important. Um, when we look at um, the overall health of the business and and the health of our our customers' businesses, actually, processing transaction volume is really the thing that that matters most. You know, if if our 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 stores are able to process a lot of sales, process a lot of customers through their queues, that shows up as overall transaction volume, and Interestingly, with all of the COVID lockdown, shutdown scenario that's going on, we've been running, all, our stores have been running about 35% higher sales than versus this time period last year. Which is year. unbelievable, so yeah. Stores that's, are doing great. Yeah, yeah. it is unbelievable. Um, but that's a healthy sign. We've already passed um, over a billion dollars in, in transactions processed on our platform this year. Um, so we're well on our way to, um, we'll, we'll see, but north of $3 billion is our hope for, for transaction processing volume this year. So that's a key one that we look at all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the few industries that um, I think they've benefited from COVID, right? I mean, that's a strong statement, but yeah, I think Corona largely was good for the cannabis industry. Um, one of the questions that I've been asking on this show is, Okay, so eventually we're going to get back to some kind of normalcy where people can go to bars and they can go out to clubs. Does the cannabis industry hold on to those other users to that growth, or is this like, well, we're at home, so we might as well get high? You know, I, I think it's going to hold on. I mean, I think I think you know, it takes a few weeks to establish a new pattern of behavior, and then people have, are um, used to doing this new kind of thing. You know, they'll have an opportunity to go back to the other ways of life. But I think they're, you know, if you look at the overall trends of cannabis in the in the country and sort of the continued legalization, opening up of the market and the continued increased use of cannabis, it's it's really just part of a general trend. I think the covid pandemic has accelerated things a bit, but I don't think it's a one time a one-time thing. Mm. Um, I think it's going to be a lasting change that's going to have positive effects on the industry in, in many, many ways, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's an important transition. Um, the more people we can get towards cannabis and away from alcohol, at least in its extremes, I think is good for our culture. I mean, without being too political, we're in a very tumultuous time. And I mean, <laughs> cannabis doesn't result in you looting most of the time, you know, I mean, not to yeah, say these right. people are drunk, but alcohol tends to make people more aggressive and they make bad judgments. And this may be an important part of that transition. Um, interesting. Um, we talked about how you just raised some more money, 23 million from some big guys. I mean, Tiger Global doesn't get much more accredited than that. And Casa Verde, which has uh, been in this industry, been on this show uh, a couple different times. Um, what do you do with that money specifically? Is this more salespeople, more marketing, more all of the above? What, what's the usage plan there? Um, it's, it's a bit all of the above, but it's, it's investing in the core capability of the company. Um, that does have a product and support focus. So, you know, for our customers, they care about how well is the product working, meeting their needs, what are the features, and how well do we service the product. And so that's definitely a primary focus. Um, but we're growing the company. We're investing in sales and marketing as well. We've um, 
actually been doing a lot of great marketing in, in the recent few months that's uh, been great for us. Um, so those are definitely investment areas as well. What kind of marketing works well? Um, we are fairly limited in this industry, although maybe less so as a software company. What has worked for you guys? What are you going to kind of double down on? Um, you know, we have a healthy mix of some traditional um, advertising. Uh, tra trade shows are important in the cannabis industry. Mm -hmm. um, as far as, you know, reaching to those dispensaries as a, as a provider of service. Um, so that's a key thing we do. But, um, but online certainly is also a huge uh, channel that's important for us. And that takes various forms. You know, there's, there's search engine optimization, there's um, paid advertising, and then there's a bunch of email marketing. So it really is a mix of those things. So being part of the industry and the events that happen and then uh, double down on the context you make through the traditional uh, forms of meeting people and using digital means to then kind of reinforce that is, is important. So we're looking at a, at a broad mix, but those are really the key categories between the trade shows and then the digital marketing that work well for us. So at this point, most of your customers probably have tried a couple different POS systems. Um, what do you find when they come to you, when they transition over, what's the biggest reason that they, they were unhappy with whatever they were using? That's a great question. I don't know that there's one big reason. We hear a lot of frustration um, with uh, competitive solutions, a lot of over-promising too. So that's one common thing we hear is, oh, they said they would do this and it didn't, or they said they would get to this and it doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, kind of a mix of those types of things. Uh, generally though, a lack of capability. So, you know, people are, the dispensaries are looking for a system that helps them accomplish everything they need and run their business. And you know, it starts with do, doing sales and tracking, but you got to report properly to the state and you have to be able to track inventory the right ways throughout the store. And then you got to be able to provide loyalty programs and provide ways to mark, remarket to customers. And so there's, there's a lot you have to do to make the solution work. And then there's a whole reporting piece of things so that managers can understand what's going on with stores and there's permissions you need so that you can enable bud tenders to do certain things. And so there's just, there's quite a bit actually when you dive into the space and we solve a really rich set. We have a rich set of features Features. And um, so we find customers really appreciate that. We've also found some, you know, that get disappointed with some of the things they want from us and they'll try something else out. And we've had a number of them come back actually come back. pretty quickly and realize, you know what, green bits, you know, we wish you had some more stuff. And I wish we had some more stuff right now too in terms of features, but we have a great feature set and people really appreciate that. Another key thing is um, reliability. And so we've heard People have had some issues with reliability and you know buggy software and some of the some competitors and we've been really focused on on that in the last since i've been here and really upping our game you know, i came from intuit and turbotax and quickbooks and so i had a certain perspective of what reliable software that you can count on is and we're now applying that to green bits uh, because these are small business owners just like quickbooks uh, you know small business owners well, for these guys, it's their livelihood. You know, this is their small business and their family, you know, they want to be fed and it means the store needs to operate well so this business owner can earn enough money to take home and, and feed their family. And, you know, I really recognize how important that is and kind of think about that in terms of pushing the 
with our team on how important reliability is for our for our customers. Uh, yeah, it's very much mission critical, right? It's, it's not like yep. a nice to have or an add-on or something like that. They, they run their whole business this way. Um, one of the things that I found really interesting, I, I sold software for three years in San Francisco, did the tech thing for a long time um, before cannabis. And one of the things that I always found interesting is this sort of push and pull between new features. Right. You know, the, the bigger the customer you are, sort of the more sway you have. That's just business. Um, how do you kind of deal with that? I mean, I, I remember getting pretty outrageous or specific requests for software and often having to say, well, that's in the icebox somewhere. You know, that'll come down later down the road sometime. H how do you have that conversation? It, it's pretty it's a pretty difficult one to have sometimes. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, though, if you talk to the customers, they will lead the way. And, you know, I can tell pretty quickly on a couple customer visits, am I having the, this is broken, you need to fix this right away because it's getting in the way of me doing stuff conversation, or am I having the, hey, I wish it did this mm -hmm. conversation, you know, and you want to get to the wish I did this conversation. Um, and you can tell pretty quickly where you are in terms of that spectrum and what you should be working on. And it's always a balance, you know, as you point out, there's no easy answers in product development and you gotta, you gotta always balance. And, um, but I think the customers will lead you to the right answer. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the engineering team, I know you have a new CTO that you brought in. Uh, do you feel you are properly resourced today on that side? Do you need to grow more? Is that part of what the 23 million is coming, what will go to, or how do you feel about the engineering team today? So yeah, Sarvesh has uh, you know, joined just a couple months ago. He's doing great and diving in. He comes from a great background. Um, and you know, he, he is really leading a transition in how we think about engineering at Greenbits, which is awesome. We are hiring in engineering for sure. Um, and we're looking at you know, what's the right way to hire, what's the right type of talent we're looking for. And then we're also looking at you know, how do we build code at Greenbits and what's the right process for product development. And so all of that is is being thought through right now. I, I grew up in product management and had a long career in that as well. So the two of us have a great partnership together on rethinking how we build software at Greenbits. And we, we are driving a lot of change and the, the company's responding great to it, actually. I think we're seeing a lot of positive results in, in not, not a very long time already. That's awesome. Um, hiring people with the subtext of Corona and sort of the new normal, uh, how do you feel about remote teams and hiring an engineer that's fully remote? Um, is that sort of part of a necessity today or how are you, how are you guys thinking about that? That's it. Yeah. It's a really interesting one. I, you know, the COVID lockdown has definitely given us all the experience of, uh, of, of working remotely and seeing how that wells. And it's certainly changed my point of view a little bit too. You know, I came from traditional big built office buildings and everyone in a room um, but we had, you know, we put good operating mechanisms and I put in a, a bunch just in the few, you know, I've been here six months now and we had changed a lot of our, I call them operating mechanisms or you know, meetings and ways you check in on um, how work is getting done. And boy, thank goodness we did it when we did it because mm -hmm. all of a sudden we were locked down and everyone was remote, but we mm -hmm. had a framework to leverage to make sure that we were getting work done and people knew what was important and we could all be aligned on how we do things. Um, and it's definitely opened my eyes to the idea that, wow, we really can be super effective remotely um, and we can provide people with opportunities to do a better work-life integration and have, you know, some time shifting going on where they need to. 
Um, people love not having to commute into work. Um, so there's a lot of great things. It's also making us think about what does moving back in look like? Because we probably want to in, in, uh, just take advantage of the opportunity to do some kind of mixed uh, hybrid model where mm -hmm. we, we do get together. Because I do think there's value for sure in the unplanned collaboration that happens mm -hmm. when you are together. Um, but the, but the, the remote work side of it is powerful as well. And it gives us opportunities to not be restricted in our, you know, ge by geography in terms of who we hire in terms of our talent. Um, that's a huge, huge asset to be able to hire anywhere, anywhere you want to. And I think providing a better work-life environment for, for people is also huge as well. So we're looking at how do we get to some kind of integrated model in the future. Yeah. Um, the very balanced approach. I, I, I like that. I think there's a lot of tech companies, Twitter included, have said, you never have to come back to work, right? You know, you can always yeah. be remote. One of the questions that I think, like transactionally, functionally, it can be done. Uh, one of the questions that I have is about culture. You know, can mm -hmm. you build a strong culture completely remote? You miss those little interactions in the kitchen or going to lunch or making a joke or whatever. Is there a way that you're sort of compensating for that? Is there any new ideas about how to build culture remotely? Yeah, that's a great question. And one we're, we're thinking about, I, I, my observation is that culture, it really doesn't just evolve. Um, culture is something you create. And there's two ways that can go. You can either design it and think about what you want and start taking action that shapes it that way or you can let it kind of happen by itself by the people that are typically in, in some sort of leadership or at least from a not on paper right they can be a leader in terms of just their style as well that will create culture as well and so i'm spending time with my team starting to talk about well how do we keep defining and talking about what our culture is and then think about the ways we can make sure that we're uh we're, we're demonstrating and shaping that culture through our actions. And so I think there is a way to shape culture and create it in a virtual environment. I think you just have to be more explicit about it and more proactive about it. Mm. Got it. Interesting. Um, so it's not just like memes on Slack. That's, that's not enough. That, that doesn't not enough. You know, I mean, it's a piece of it, but it's a piece um, of it can it. be yeah. a piece. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit and, and talk a little bit about you. You've had this wonderful background in technology. A lot of companies people know. What appealed to you about the cannabis industry? Uh, I mean, you could have done any number of things. Why, why this company? Why Ben? Why this vision? That's a great question. Um, you know, I looked, I did look at a lot of other, other opportunities. I wasn't particularly looking for the cannabis, you know, something in cannabis actually. Sure. Um, but when I did get the call about, hey, um, check this business out, it's pretty interesting. It really fit a lot of the things I was looking for. So um, for me, I was looking for a product focused company where the, the product experience really mattered. That's where my background is. And that's what I enjoy working on. Um, I love working on small, small business oriented products where you've got uh, a lot of focus again on ease of use and on scaling the product uh, and Greenbits, you know, is right squarely in that space. Um, I also came work from uh, my prior background working on TurboTax for a number of years. So I have a lot of experience working with products that have compliance filing aspects and Russ was filing taxes uh, in all 50 states. And so I can leverage a lot of experience. We look at the cannabis space, it's really similar. I mean, there's some different mechanics to how it works, but same idea, you're reporting on 
on some transactions so that the government can make sure that they're accounting for taxes properly. And so there's a lot of similarities there that I'm able to leverage in how we think about building our software and our teams and how we think about enabling us to scale across the country as legalization spreads across, across the country. So when I kind of looked at, you know, the actual business and where I was interested in, in focusing, there were a lot of matchups. The other great thing is cannabis is this new exploding industry. It's going to be growing and growing for uh, a while. And so it's not like you're entering, entering an industry that's really, really mature. For me, that's really fun because it creates a lot of opportunity to create your own space, do your own things, learn, learn new things as you go. And so that adds this other element of fun and opportunity to the whole equation that maybe say, great, I want to, I want to go do this. Yeah. Interesting. I think for a long time, in order for people to get into cannabis, they had to take a pretty sizable pay cut um, without being going into too much details was the compensation package relatively similar? I mean, you must've had a lot of options in traditional tech too. Are we still in that space or has it sort of evened out a little bit more? Uh, you know, I, my experience is it's similar to other types of early stage startups. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's different from my earlier background at working for large Fortune 500 companies, um, but similar to what I've seen in the other, other VC funded startup mm -hmm. space. Got it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, being that you've been in cannabis six months, how do you feel about the industry? I love sort of the, the outsider perspective. Like what's different about it than you would have expected, I suppose. Um, yeah, it's, I, it's, uh, it's interesting. It is, it is a fast moving kind of freewheeling industry that's trying to sort itself out still. Uh, it's a little bit of the Wild West, I guess, is a way to a way to say it. So there's there's a lot going on, and um, yeah, people are a little freewheeling and doing stuff that it's kind of like go figure it out, um, which is really fun. You know, you go to like MJ BizCon, the big you know trade show, um, and the whole vertical of the industry is there. You know, there's there's guys oh, yeah, selling yeah. software right next to people that are selling plumbing fittings and stuff. You know, so it's there's a lot of stuff that still sort of needs to be sorted out in terms of the right channels and who should be talking to who. Um, so it's a little bit of that's trying to be figured out right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's part of the fun is it's uh, this new industry that's you know figuring itself out. Yeah, and tremendous opportunity for for those that are great and and want to make a difference. I mean, it really is still. Uh, pretty open field in, in a lot of ways. Um, given that you haven't been in the cannabis industry that long, how have your friends and family reacted to this choice? I mean, it's, it's becoming more normalized. You're in California, but still, I mean, was there any pushback or like, why did, why did you do that? Yes. It's a, a fun question to answer. You know, it's, it's, uh, I was surprised, but most people, uh, you know, they went, wow, like, okay, that's an interesting choice. And then they say, wow, okay. See, they kind of click quickly to the opportunity and the fact that it's a new business opportunity that's, you know, a legal industry that is going to be growing and, and, and present a big, a big opportunity for me and the, and all the companies that are involved. So that was for most people what happened, you know, there are a couple of holdouts. There's one or two people I talked to that said, don't, don't do it. You're going to be, you know, labeled as that guy or whatever. Uh, but by and large, you know, 90% of the people I talked to, 
um, especially after they asked a couple of questions and understood it, said, wow, okay, that sounds like a really interesting opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense when you start breaking it down and thinking about also, I'm sure your company is an eye every day, right? I mean, we're talking about a, a software business here. Um, along the lines of consumption, did you have experience with cannabis in the past? How has it evolved today? I mean, is that part of your life at all? Yeah, I mean, it, it's part of my life, not a huge, huge, you know, part. And it hasn't changed sure. dramatically, actually. I think what's interesting is um, I didn't really have an appreciation for how much it's like fine wine. Um, so, you know, I, I thought it would be more like Budweiser beer and, okay, you got stuff going on, you know, and I really discovered like, wow, this, uh, there's this whole world of cannabis that is really much more like fine wine where there's a lot of art and there's growers spending all their time figuring out how to, uh, develop the right strains and then there's the whole product side where people are figuring out different products and ways to distribute and and consume cannabis um, so it's just fascinating to see how big the whole space is and then that translates into a lot of the problems we're helping our 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 stores actually solve right because they've got to keep track of all this inventory it creates a lot of diversity and a lot of a lot of things they've got to manage to actually meet and, and have to think about ways to sell and a way to consult with customers and introduce them to all of the variation and intricacies. So it's, it's really been interesting to see all that. And I've really come to appreciate how important that is for the industry uh, as we, as we go forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, this has been really fun. Thank you so much uh, for joining us and being so open and honest. I think hired CEOs are supposed to be boring, but you certainly weren't boring. So <laughs> congratulations. I try. Thank that you for side. that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, sort of a, as we get out of here, um, how can we help you? How can the audience help you? You, you mentioned you're, you're hiring for a number of different roles. Uh, this is your chance to, to use the audience however you'd like, I suppose. Sure. Yeah, we're hiring. Uh, you know, if you're a, um, a hot salesperson and would like to work for a growing company that's figuring things out, we're, we've got a couple roles in sales, and then on the engineering side, we're looking for great, talented engineers that like to get stuff done, and so definitely looking for for people there as well. Um, and I'd say to you know uh, keep supporting the stores. It's an interesting time right now. You know, our stores are by and large, I think, doing well, but they're struggling with a lot of different challenges with the lockdown and figuring out now how to do different ways of like curbside delivery and managing all the customers that are having to wait in line. And so, you know, just I sort of keep that in mind that the stores are working hard and um, the people that are working in those stores are working hard to get things done and just keep that in mind as we go forward. Hopefully things will get a little easier as we start to open back up. Um, but uh but keep in mind that, you know, when you're in that store and it's not quite the experience you want right now, it's because there's a lot, there's a lot of change going on and the store owners and people that work in the stores are really trying hard to, to get through all this. And be thankful that you're in that store at all and that we have legal cannabis and it was deemed essential and all these huge victories, even though there's always more, I think we have to stop and say, wow, we, we are in a pretty cool time uh, in this industry. Well, Barry, thanks again. It's been great and, and good luck going forward. Thanks a lot for having me. It was really fun. Absolutely.